The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good evening or good afternoon. My name is Peter Altschul. I am the program chair at Friends in Art. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we're looking forward to a terrific session about the whole issue of doing music and keyboards and all that kind of good stuff. And before I introduce uh, the, the folks who are going to be doing this, a couple of um, reminders. Uh, we're Friends in Art. Uh, we welcome people who want to join us. You can visit our website at www.friendsinart.org. Uh, keep an eye out for other events that we're doing, especially the virtual showcase, uh, which will be Saturday night beginning at 7.30 on ACB Media 1 uh, and other things that we're doing, which we may talk about later. But I don't want to uh, spend too much time yammering about Friends and Art, other program stuff. I want to introduce the um, folks who are running this session. Uh, mo- many of you know Jason Castingway from Connecticut who is well known for his talent singing and, and keyboard talents and his uh, uh, producing talents. And then uh, uh, who's also, who's on our board. And another board member is Derek Lane from North Carolina, who does a lot of stuff with regarding uh, training of blind folks to be better AT musician types. And so I'm going to turn the, the floor over to them and have them do their thing. Thank you, both of you. You're oh, welcome. It's great to be here. Thank you. Well, as uh, Peter said, I'm Derek Lane, and um, he's Jason Castingway, and we're here to talk to you about optimizing your audio equipment for music production, or if you don't think you have uh, anything that uh, would facilitate that, how to, uh, what you can do to kind of uh, get started on a budget. So what I would recommend doing is uh, getting something that you can write down. And if something that we talk about interests you, uh, jot it down so that you can have the relevant parts of this crazy presentation available for your reference later. This way we can keep this as upbeat as we can and um, have a little fun along the way. At least we, we hope to, to be able to do that anyway. And we think we can. Yes. One thing I think we're going to start with is is a very uh, I don't I don't want to throw your um, your plans off, Derek. But I I believe we're starting with the microphone and very uh, simply the kinds of things you need to begin recording, and we'll we'll move on from there. I would say. That's true. That's that's exactly right. Because if you don't have a microphone, you have no means of recording you, and you are an important part of your music, even if you're just uh, tapping on your desk for some percussion or doing some other sound that um, could be part of your music, where you may want to introduce your your music or record something along the lines of of even just any sort of sound that might be part of your music. I mean, if you look at artists like Bobby McFerrin, pretty much most of his work is his voice and his body. Uh, he actually did more songs than Don't Worry, Be Happy. Believe it or not, he did a lot of them. And um, I kind of enjoy his work, so he, he's fun. Um, 
And so speaking of people and you and recording and the microphone, you might want to do a few things to optimize the use of the microphone and to optimize the use of your computer, which will be the device in question that you'll be using to uh, do your production, at least for the most part. Yes, iOS and uh, Android of various types have some recording and editing apps, in fact, some very powerful ones. Uh, but the fact is, in terms of accessibility, we feel that there's a lot going on in the PC and Mac space that can carry you a long way. So, that having been said, let's optimize you and your space for recording. What I mean by optimizing you and your space? I would say, because of the complexity of some of this software, before recording a single sound, as tedious and boring as this may be to do, learn your screen reader. There's nothing more annoying than software and interfaces and other nonsense getting in the way of the creative process. You are the co-host now. Room. If one you don't two. have Tap a control. workflow, one your two. ideas Tap could control. just go right out the window because of the frustration that uh, you could be facing. Um, so, so learn your screen reader. All of it. Not just like the, I can press tab and shift tab and on Mac I can also interact with things and blah. Um, learn some of the uh, deeper, more advanced bits of it as Jason will demonstrate later. And um, as bizarre and strange as this may sound, uh, find a voice from your screen reader that your, your screen reader is able to produce that can play as quietly as possible. That's something you can hear uh, very quietly and very quickly. Because the first thing that I've noticed in using hardware and software extensively when doing a lot of teaching or music production in my studio is that sometimes it hasn't been the audio that I've been working on that gives me ear fatigue and gives me a headache. It's actually been my screen reader being too loud in my ears. It's a constant wall of sound as it's yammering on and telling me all kinds of things, and it doesn't give my head a break. It's always there. It's always talking. Sometimes it can be really bassy and really loud, depending on your voice that of, of choice, and, and you don't want that. Um, you want to get something that uh, sounds very neutral, that can be very, uh, that can speak very quickly. Um, you know, work on getting your speed up so that you can get around the screen quicker. Spend less time listening to that wall of sound so that it can freaking shut up and you can get on with it. Uh, the obligatory it being the content you want to create. Uh, what else would you say about this kind of thing, Jason? I'd also include the fact that uh, not only do you want a space where your computer and your voice and your screen reader are all working uh, together, but the space itself, and, and maybe I'm jumping ahead too much. Nope. Uh, I'm, th I'm thinking about acoustics, the acoustics of the space. 
in which you will be recording are important because you want a neutral space that does not have all sorts of echo in it. That would be distracting and strange, although that was an echo effect from my uh, mixer. But (laughs) (laughs) that that would get into your recording and could be a problem. Well, it is a problem to... Uh, take that out of the recording. Uh, also, uh, you don't want things rattling around while you're singing loudly into your microphone or performing other instruments. Um, I'm thinking of snare drums in particular because <laughs> that's <laughs> happened to me. <laughs> that's why everybody needs a little more cowbell, not snare drum. There you go. Um <laughs> In this case, for me, it happens to be in the basement because it's a finished space uh, where I am in this basement and there's there's pretty dead sound down here. It, it does not echo and, and bounce back into the microphone. So I feel pretty safe when I go to record, whether it be speech or vocal um, singing that uh, it's not going to produce any strangeness that I have to try to work out later. Also, sometimes electronics can mess with your oh, yes. audio. Um, if if you turn up your microphone, assuming you have one, or once you get one, and you hear something like this, That's kind of a problem. Now, it's not just straight hiss. It's hiss with some funky tones in it that um, make things really difficult. And, and, I mean, let's just say you have a little bit of hiss. A little bit of it. It's not bad. But let's say you're singing, and you do your one vocal. And, you know, there's pauses in that vocal. And then the next thing you do is your harmony. So you're going to record another vocal on top of that. So there's two of you. Each one with its own noise. Oh, man, barbershop is great. So let's do three. No, just three, but four. Maybe like a five-part harmony thing. Oh, man. Oh. La, 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 la. Oh, my God. Noisy stuff. Ah. Uh, do not pass, go, do not collect, etc. Not Not ideal. Okay, so... <laughs> uh, common causes can be cables touching uh, power supplies um, your phone close to something uh, your phone actually has a remarkable amount of things going on electronically in it and you know it's a radio it's a transmitter it's a little computer it's a lot of things that can pick up and generate a fair bit of noise in certain conditions so just just um you know, watch where your cables run. Um, I know all this is, is sort of tedious because you may have wanted to just show up and, and hear, oh, man, I, I have, you know, these ideas and I want to get started and blah, blah, blah. But trust me, I know from experience and, and watching people <laughs> who want to take these short, take shortcuts and skip all this stuff find later that they kind of burn out because of the difficulties they've set themselves up for. Which is really sad. So don't do that to yourself. 
where it's kind of an oh yeah moment like i maybe should have paid more attention to that other stuff before hmm how do i backtrack now <laughs> yeah <laughs> and if you're you had any any little tiny semblance of an ego like i do sometimes you may not want to because that humble pie kind of doesn't taste very good it's a crap gotta press on now started blundering my way through and skipped a whole bunch of stuff <sighs> Ugh. Meh. may as well stay on the hard road ahead blah but hopefully not um i i should have asked this before but from time to time once we've covered certain things would it be prudent to pause and take questions along the way I think if we waited to the end for everything, it would be a bit of an overload for people. They may have questions and... Um, it could be, yeah. Um, it might be, and I think it's totally up to us. So um, why don't we do that? Because are we about to move on? We are. <laughs> okay. So are there any questions so far from any of you listening? Rachel. All right. Hello, Rachel. Well, my question is, um, um, I haven't haven't started this program yet, but... um. Oops. Um, I, I have GarageBand. Um, it's not in my phone because it takes up too much space, but I have recently gotten an iPad. It's a space gray iPad. Um, it does have the GarageBand right. installed in it. Um, and I want to start Talking. Rachel. hopefully recording... Um, acapella tracks in it but what i've noticed when i record tracks for karaoke because you have to send a voice memo to that when you go to i do a two-finger double tap to stop it because if you flick right the voiceover will say stop and that is so annoying because i don't know how to go back and edit that out um is there a way to fix that when you when you start with the the Garage band. Oh. I don't know what I'm. I don't know what I'm doing from my head to my toes. Well, I'm kind of lazy in certain places. There are parts of me that's like, "Let's go," and then there's parts of me that's like, I kind know. of like the typical stoner that's like, "Oh no," and yeah. so sort of oscillating between this, "Let's go," and oh, no. <laughs> kind of leads to some bizarre problems. And one of those is to <laughs> nip a problem before it even starts. So yep. get a set of headphones or earbuds that you find comfortable, regardless Mac, PC, iPad, um, whatever, and so the voiceover doesn't have a chance to speak out loud to start with so save the the worry of having to edit by making the thing not existent in the first place right headphones okay. become really important i'll keep trying just get some headphones plug them into the ipad okay i'll do that thank you for your time absolutely You're welcome Nancy. <laughs> well, I think sometimes when we're, we're starting with with those things that you were talking about, that I I could have written a little manual on what not to do with with my uh, what she said about the the voice. Well, see, you know, when I made my prelude and it had my phone number that somebody called. Oh, <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Yeah, but if I would have had a uh, 
AirPods or something like that, then I could have avoided that. And also, in my den, last year, when I was recording things, I had a, I had a fountain. That's right. <laughs> like I said, I'm... A little um, water in the background. Yeah. Never hurt sounds, anybody, but... <laughs> sounds nice, but... You, I mean, sounds like a nice idea, but not for your recording. <laughs> right. And in a moment of having to take my own advice, um, one thing I forgot to do is turn the air off. And if you listen very carefully, you can hear that in my background. You just won't think about things like that until you get... Yeah, but Jason and I just talked about it, and here I am falling prey to my, you know, to, to that uh, yes. mistake. Long, that long to see what you can do with your editing skills, huh? Well, I'm going to have to, I'm going to save myself the bother of having to use them by going and turning that off. So, um, I'm going to turn my monitors up and take my headphones off so I can hear the next question. Uh, viola, or viola or viola? Viola. Hi, Jason. Hi, Peter. Hi. Okay, is this where we start talking about compression stuff and whether or not we should use a flat type of situation or um, should we connect, if you're going to use an iPhone, should you connect a P4 or something like that to help you with some of those really cool noises? That was fun to hear that because I can just see how it would get louder and louder however many tracks you laid down. That yeah. was interesting. Um, yep. These are the kinds of things I like hearing because you're right. So many people want to go get into the thing and you never even get to hear what it's not supposed to sound like. Right. Thanks. You're welcome. So compression might be jumping ahead a little bit, but I think you mentioned the P4 and that is well, it's a recorder, but it can serve as a microphone. And I believe that's where we're headed next. Because there are, after all, microphones out there so that we can record our stuff. Mm -hmm. And microphones, I feel like today, are more interesting than they've ever been because they not only have the traditional way of connecting, which is called uh, through an XLR cable, but they are designed so that people on a budget can have a little bit of that, let's go! I can't even do that moment. <laughs> I don't know if I could ever do it again myself. <laughs> <laughs> and in so doing... There are light, there are microphones with lightning connectors so that they can connect easily to iOS or iPad devices. There are microphones with USB connectors so they can plug right into a computer and be recognized as a sound source. Um, so now, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry, because we mentioned the pod track thing from Zoom. We might want to explain that. Um, Travis, do you actually use one? Um, do you have one? No. Oh, okay. Because um, I don't either, so I will just go based on my understanding of watching other people. Uh, the PodTrack is this device from Zoom that will let you integrate your computer and your phone 
so that you can do clever things like take something from your computer and stream it to Clubhouse and, and things like that. Um, now, with something like that, you can get especially creative with a microphone that Jason was probably about to talk about called the Samsung Q2U. It's an example of one of those microphones that has both the XLR connector on it, which you would typically plug into, um, you know, professional sound equipment. And it also has the USB connector on it as well. The cool thing about that particular setup, although it's not really advertised as a feature, is that you can use the microphone's XLR and USB connector at the same time. And when you say use the XLR and USB, you can say, OMG, that's crazy, and um, has some particularly interesting implications. So let's say you're doing a stream of your music or your friend's music or, or combination of the two as part of the kind of production you want to get into. And let's say you are hosting some uh, the, the music or whatever, and you are having your co-host on Zoom or TeamTalk or CleanFeed or whatever. Um, you could use the USB portion of the microphone and always be talking to your person on Zoom so that while a song is playing, you could let them know, okay, this is coming up next and blah, blah, blah. Um, and you could then send the mix of your microphone and the music to a stream with something like the cute, the, uh, the pod track. I believe that's how it works. I don't know if the, the pod track actually has the second device where you could cue somebody up or not, but even if it doesn't, um, that microphone and kind of, you know, thinking a little outside the box gives you that function. Now, if all that is a little bit of a brain twist, don't worry about it because when you get to the point where you do care about such things, there are plenty of resources that could help you get started. Um, right. There's so many people with these pod tracks kicking around the ACB um, community and the, especially the ACB media people. I think that's one of the things that they use to bring all of us together during these conventions and during the karaoke and, and things like that that um, Cindy and among others, you know, host. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I think another advantage though, of, of these microphones, and this is where I was kind of headed to where it, it, it's a simple way to start recording without what used to have to happen where, I mean, one could still do this, but it's, sometimes a little more affordable to start out with a microphone that's got a USB connection, an XLR connection, and a headphone jack so you can monitor yourself while you're recording. Plug it into the computer and it all shows up as your sound, as, as another sound source. And you can get recording right away with something that sounds professional, or at least more professional. Than certainly than the computer's internal microphone, <laughs> and I don't have the microphone, uh, the Samsung microphone that you mentioned, Derek. But I do have an older version, 
called the Audio Technica. The is it the ATR two thousand five? It's something yeah. like two thousand five. It is yes, and I love it because if I want to go somewhere and do some kind of spoken content, or if if I need to sing. Uh, I can grab this microphone, stow it away in my bag real quick, and just head out the door. And, of course, as long as I get there, have my cable, my microphone, I can start recording, whether it be with my computer or someone else's or my iOS device. I can just get going, and it sounds quite good. I don't have to have a mixer, a device that mixes all sorts of uh, connected audio into the computer. I can just do it with this microphone it's only one source but it gets me off the ground and running pretty quickly i think some of these can be used with a camera connection kit and ipads and so was it rachel who was curious about GarageBand and trying to get better audio into it oh yes i believe it was and so, so that would certainly be a solution oh. right because mm-hmm. that would yeah. get the ipads audio out of the iPad, put it on the headphone jack of the microphone, and then, of course, switch the iPad's microphones off in favor of the, the mic itself. A much better one, yeah. Yeah. For, for singing, certainly. For singing and speaking. So I like I like the options available today that weren't available uh, some time back because they're an easy way for people to get going these these USB microphones and the lightning connectors and the camera connection kit and all these all these little accessories that weren't around before now uh again we're going to pause for questions if that's cool it's Roger Peterson hi Roger hey, Roger um now you guys have been talking a lot about microphones and so forth and I I'm kind of interested in the the issue of producing sounds directly with a computer, such as MIDI. And uh, I happened to get a hold of a bunch of MIDI files a long time ago. I've been curious all the time since whether they're, I mean, they're just, they're songs, individual songs. Mm -hmm. I'm curious to know if if you can edit them in in any way. I mean, they just play on the MIDI car. I guess there's a MIDI... uh, there's MIDI in the uh, in your sound card in your computer, right? Yes, um, and that can be extended uh, a number of ways. For those who don't yep. know, and we'll get back on the, the path here, but uh, just to uh-huh. kind of help you out briefly, uh, MIDI stands for Musical Instrument Digital Interface, and right. it's a way as a protocol that Roland came up with in the '80s that lets instruments talk to each other. So your keyboard could make your drum machine start playing, or you could play a note on your keyboard, and the computer is actually recording that note. Not the sound from your keyboard, but the note played, which could then be used by any number of things, either sent to other devices or the computer itself. Mm -hmm. So when you're talking about editing MIDI, are you talking about sounds that are on the computer that the MIDI would play through, or are you talking about getting that MIDI and sending it to a keyboard or a piece of hardware that would play it? Well, I guess initially it would be through on the computer itself. Uh, maybe MIDI that that's already be... on the computer. But I, I have no objection to the, the other kind, too. You know, I just want to know what's possible. 
Um, well, both are um, is the short version. So if you yep. want to to have the MIDI files play sounds. Um, you could import them into programs known as DAWs, or Digital Audio Workstations. And I don't know how Logic handles it, but in Reaper, basically what happens is that, which Reaper is one of the um, DAWs that I use, my main one, in fact. It comes Mm -hmm. up and it says, this MIDI file basically is recorded at this tempo with these number of tracks. In other words, these, these instruments recorded separately. Would you like to import, you know, each of these onto separate tracks of your project and you say yes and then you can put whatever instrument plug-in or software basically um, on those respective tracks to have the you know the drums play drum sounds and and the bass play the the bass sound from your favorite you know uh, vendor or what have you and you just kind of build it up that way mm-hmm yeah, I understand in the theaters they even use MIDI to control the spotlights. They do. Um, <laughs> funny story. You mentioned that. Um, in middle school, there was a, a play, and I was able to run the sound and the lights for it. And the only reason I was able to run the lights for it is because... Because the, it worked on the sound system. Right? That's right. That's absolutely right. I just, <laughs> the band teacher figured out, oh, if you hook the keyboard to this light board, when you go to the next sound on the keyboard, coincidentally, that goes to the next programmed preset on the lights. So I had a little keyboard there that I would use its next button, you know, the next instrument button on. <laughs> and um, that program change to go to the next instrument was interpreted by the light board as go to the next scene. Uh-huh. So, uh huh. So, you know, I guess the the initial question I had was basically, if I just have a computer that has some MIDI files on it, is there some way to to change those? I want to edit the song or something like that. Um. Well, there is a program called QWS. 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 It stands for Quick Window Sequencer. Cool. Um. I'm also thinking um, Reaper would would certainly uh, provide. I assume a, MIDI is a bunch of like a bunch of characters, like sort of like text or something. Um, well, it's, <coughs> I mean, it's kind of like text, but the way it's stored isn't human readable. Um, uh-huh. So if you opened a MIDI file in like Notepad or something, you would have absolutely nothing useful. Um, uh-huh. There's a new standard called Music. I think it's either Music XML or Music ML or something like that. That that is human readable code that will generate music. But to answer your question, QWS, which stands for Quick Window Sequencer, is a dedicated MIDI editor that was written by a guy who's also blind. His name doesn't immediately ring a bell, but the documentation that comes with it is quite good. You can use the MIDI that's built into your computer to play the audio and let you hear the changes you make to the audio. And so you don't have to have anything else to use something like that. If you strictly want to, you know, stick to MIDI and only MIDI and you're running windows, which you clearly are because I heard a windows noise in the background. We're getting very close to dancing dots here too, right? 
as you know, using MIDI to change print music into braille music or something like that. Yeah, and they may actually be people that you hit up for for more information about this stuff because they have their own I music. I kind of rotation. know Bill, Bill McCann. Oh, Bill's brilliant. Of, hit him up; yeah. he'll 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 help you out. I bet. Right. Yeah, Bill's brilliant. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll stop bothering you now. For now, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay. Any other questions? Hey, Nancy. When I thought of editing MIDI stuff, I thought of like, I don't know, dancing in dots or cake talking or things of that sort. Let me think there was another one that I can't think of right this minute, but that, but that, that I worked with some. When I would do, I don't know, when I make choir arrangements, then, then I'd, I'd go record their parts and. <laughs> they have a music software that they've scripted with JAWS to let you, that's dedicated to scoring and another that would translate that printed like score Sibelius? into Braille. Yeah, like Sibelius, yeah. I don't know if it's Sibelius or Lime or, or one of those. Okay. Admittedly, I'm not very familiar with it, but um, Dancing Dots are still doing their thing. Yeah, it's They're been a way long people. time since I did anything at all with that. But but I just, when I was poking at it, and when Roger was asking those questions, I have to say I never thought of managing the light sequence with it. But <laughs> Yeah, my band teacher figured it out. She was like, hey. I wonder, since this is all general MIDI, if um, and it turns out, yeah, sure did. And 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 the um, some of this was you 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 did the parts, but then but it it's not the it it's not in still editing that when you go back and change the sounds. That's a different. That's not a. Is that a component of MIDI? Uh, yeah, but it's kind of getting a little more deep than we probably have time for. Okay, it's kind of right. getting a little bit. <laughs> Just some of these discussions had made me wonder about, you know, breaking yeah. it down. That's all right. Mm -hmm. We can and, do and, that at the time. <laughs> and by the way, uh, shameless plug, you know, you can reach out um, to to Friends in Art uh, and 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 you know, through there, get my contact info. And, you know, if, if um, there's any uh, resource or whatever that we want to, that you guys want to talk about, of course, there'll be other workshops and things like that, that could be uh, scheduled. Mm -hmm. So um, that is kind of a, a, a way to learn more about something that may, you know, resonate with you. Um, so that having been said, let's talk about computers. Let's talk about the kinds of computers you may need to uh, do what you want to do musically and other components that you might want to get with them. If you kind of want a little bit more than just one USB microphone, there are a number of products known as audio interfaces. 
And those products take audio from different kinds of equipment, like microphones or the output of a keyboard, which, you know, <laughs> keyboards, even some of the smaller ones that came a long way in terms of sound. Like, there's some incredible sounds in some of the newer keyboards. Oh, like, yeah. even, like, the, and I, when, I, when I say low budget, I mean, I'm talking, like, even the little 61 key Yamaha battery operated things. Yeah. <laughs> or Casio even. Uh Casio's come a long way in some of their uh piano and other instrument sounds. Uh it's pretty interesting if you have an opportunity to drop into a music shop and check out the keyboards. They're different today than they used to be. It's not all like cheap keyboard equals cheap sounds. Yeah, it's kind of ridiculous. So getting an audio interface so you could hook your keyboard up to your computer uh, in such a way that you get the sound recorded from that keyboard um, and then find a recording program that you like. Um, In the single track space, though it's not free, a lot of people seem to love Goldwave and... um, Others tend to be drawn toward Audacity, which is free, but I will totally confess the fact that it's um, hotkeys and things like that and the way it's set up kind of breaks my brain. But I also know a lot of other blind audio producers and things like that who use it quite happily and and make audio that sounds quite good with it. So, you know, I'm... <laughs> not discouraging you from from looking at it i mean it's free after all so let's say you have this audio interface and you're you're ready to record some stuff in the computer because you're dealing with a lot of data going in and out of the computer and it needs to be something that the computer can record and retrieve as soon as possible in windows unfortunately that's a little bit more complicated than on the Mac. I'm a Windows guy, but I have to admit, although you can get some incredible stuff done in Windows with a lot of complexity, um, there are more audio applications in the Apple App Store by far <laughs> than that of Microsoft. And if you're looking at a new computer and you want raw processing power, the bang for the buck right now is M2 Mac. Um, And in the case of the Mac, you've got GarageBand. And if you want to put some more money down, you can get Logic. And if you know your screen reader, if you know VoiceOver, once you've learned it, you can do some pretty impressive things and very quickly with just the built-in hardware on the Mac and logic. Yes. And that is how I got started. Um, I, I had been exploring the Windows world before I got a Mac, but there were several lapses in my understanding of things and I ended up finally getting a Mac and 
when I did and discovered that the way they deal with audio was uh, pretty simple. Um, it, 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 it seems things just plugged in and worked. So I'm trying to remember exactly what I started with. I didn't start exactly budget-friendly, though. I was knowing that I wanted to understand more technical things, and so I got a mixer, and I uh, hooked a, a nice microphone to it and and ran it into my Mac. And at the time, uh, I was using GarageBand. Um, Rachel mentioned GarageBand, and it is available on iOS, iPad, and macOS. And it is a way that people can grab this free app, and it's got multiple tracks. One can record a vocal track, and then maybe a keyboard track, and it's got a slew of different effects and capabilities that I haven't really touched, including things like tempo adjustments. It'll listen to something that may be just a little bit off and straighten everything out, even even though it is uh, a analog recording. And that's what I used. Um, some of you may remember the main menu theme that that came about in the end of 2015, I think it was. That was all in GarageBand. There are a lot of free sounds that come with GarageBand. And I think there are all sorts of drum, uh, not only drum kits, but these actual, I'm I'm forgetting what it's called at the moment, but it's kind of like a drum machine where you can layer these different patterns and have all these neat beats that are perfectly uh, on the grid. You don't have to play them yourself. And uh, I used a Fender Rhodes and their brass section and some bass and some drums and kind of put it all together. And I didn't have to pay for anything. Um, all those sounds were available right out of the box. Later on, I did decide to pay and I upgraded to Logic, which is uh, Apple's professional application for recording uh, audio and music. You know, digital audio workstation. I always forget that term because I don't know why. <laughs> but that's what it is. And even for it being uh, something you have to pay for, I don't think for what it does, I don't think it's a horrible amount of money. I think I paid $130 for it. And it, too, not only uses a lot of the sounds that come with GarageBand, but it has a whole ton of other sounds that once you purchase it and have it on your machine, you can elect to download. Um, gosh. Uh, so over the years, my setup has changed a little bit. But I'm still using uh, Logic. I'm, I'm I'm actually using Reaper as well because I've learned so much from Derek, actually. And uh, they both have amazing capabilities. And I, uh, to to sort of wrap up what I'm saying here, I I feel that I can't have just one. I've <laughs> got to learn how to do both if I can because. 
maybe Reaper does one thing better than Logic or vice versa. And so I'm kind of stuck in that mentality where it's like, I want to be stuck with one and now I got to be stuck with both and figure that all out. <laughs> now, if you're in Windows or you have a computer that isn't really optimized for recording, um, don't consider yourself out of luck. There's a couple of things that you can do to optimize the computer you have. Some, some programs to consider downloading. These are Windows only. Um, the first I would recommend would be um, programs like BC Uninstall, which is bulk crap uninstall. That's literally what it stands for. And it's a, a means of going through and basically seeing every teeny component of Windows and it gives you the option to uninstall it. So you can go through and strip Windows down. I mean, you can go so far as to remove um, the search feature in Windows, which I wouldn't recommend. Um, but that is how granular this thing will let you go in terms of what can be removed. Um you can remove anything like Cortana or the anything dealing with the Xbox stuff or the game bar, which is a means of doing screen capturing and, and things like that, which is really cool, but it jacks with all of my audio interfaces and stuff. Um, it really does weird things when that's active, so I made it go away. Um, another program that's kind of cool is Win Arrow Tweaker. W E uh, Win Arrow is written together like A E R O, so Win Arrow W I N A E R O Tweaker. Um, search for that one. That's um, that's a good one. It has all kinds of options to let you again enable and disable different aspects of Windows, so you can really strip down a lot of the background stuff that's going on. Um, and you can um read about how all of those hacks work as you're going along your merry little way because the documentation that comes with this program is really good and it points you to Microsoft articles and various other sources. So it's um, it's well written. It's well documented. It doesn't um, do anything shady. It's just uh, something that lets you take a, a lot of control of your computer. And let's say you do have Reaper or Audacity or any number of other audio applications installed on your computer, and you're noticing that um, the audio is clicking or, or glitching in some weird way as you're recording or playing, um, there is a reference book that you can download for free that's called Glitch Free. And... If you look up glitch-free Cantabile, which is the, the company that, that writes this, the author is Brad Robinson, but his company is called Cantabile. That's spelled C-A-N-T-A-B-I-L-E. Again, C-A-N-T-A-B-I-L-E. So look that up, give that a read, and that will explain 
to you um, in great detail how audio works in Windows and how to optimize it. It's a free read. It's um, something that I learned a lot from myself, and it's something that uh, Brad Robinson continues to update as um, he learns more and as uh, Windows itself evolves. So uh, consider that. Those as resources. And if you absolutely just can't seem to get your system optimized and it just is totally underrated or underpowered, um, the best way uh, to get bang for the buck system, I would recommend looking up refurbished PCs on Amazon. Believe it or not, there's some pretty cool offerings. And if you, uh, in both PC uh, desktops and laptops, and you can always do a search for the model of the computer to see reviews of it to see if, um, you know, people liked it or not, if it's, you know, good specs or not. And um, probably get that computer at a quarter of the price of of what it originally cost, or at, at most half. So that... Uh, that saves you some money, and uh, they're not necessarily time, but that also lets you uh, then have the resources to investigate websites like bedroomproducersblog.com, which has a lot of free instruments that are both Windows and Mac compatible that, again, would tie into a digital audio workstation like Reaper. And um, you could use those, and some of them sound really really good. I don't mean good for what they are, but I mean they sound really good. Now, how yeah. do you get a keyboard hooked into a computer, and what kinds of keyboards might be the most economical for you to get started with? Well, there's always keyboards that have sounds of their own, but then there are keyboards that are known as controllers. And what they do is simply send information to the computer over USB as to what notes are being played, how hard the notes are being pressed, and when you've released the keys and so on, among other things, through MIDI, which is the thing we talked about earlier. And um, before Jason talks about a thing called complete control and economical ways to get into that, let's um, pause for questions again because we just laid a bunch of heavy info on you guys. Nancy again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Is Reaper available both for Macs and for yes. Windows? Okay. Yeah. I, I I just wasn't really sure about that, but and good point. Thank you. Um. Okay. So. You start out, and then you've got your, uh, your, not just your phone, but your iPad, perhaps. And then what could be sort of a, I don't mean toy, but a reasonable step in a computer to take you on to the next step. I couldn't recommend a specific model that would be um, 
super economical, but like I said, I've seen some pretty cool stuff pass through um, looking up refurbished PC. Well, the iPad has held you for a while. The iPad would hold you for a while. The thing about the iPad is that its interface is vastly different than any... Limited from hooking up any keyboards and mixing boards and stuff like that huh? well you can get a camera connection kit and kind of ghetto it in there but then that runs into its own learning curve yeah right so basically you got to pick what you think you can play with the most and what you think you'll enjoy the most and Let me um, i've got an air oh what were they called oh macbook air yes 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 that yep Hmm? They have a, a limited number of USB ports, but that can easily be remedied with a. Well, let's see, Derek. What when I I have a USB hub, but I tend to hook uh, like audio interfaces directly to the computer. I have not tried hooking them up through hubs, and you probably don't want to because they're another component that could introduce noise. They, they could they could add, uh. add their voice to the to the electronics, <laughs> right? Yep. Yes. I've, I've seen that happen. Oh well, never mind. No, um, no, no sense in looking up an extra trouble. <laughs> well, I mean, doesn't mean every hub's going to do it. It's just a high likelihood that they will. <laughs> right, and while and while if if you're planning initially for that instead of anything else, then why not address it to begin with if you can. Now, if you do want a Windows laptop and you do want something that is very thin, that feels like a MacBook Air, though not the most economical solution, if you can justify purchasing a Framework laptop, their website being frame.work, the premise behind the Frameworks is that they are modular. They are as thin as a MacBook Air, they feel like a MacBook Air. Their framework logo is on the top center of the laptop where the Apple logo would appear on a MacBook Air, but they are modular, meaning you can buy them to the point where you put in your RAM, you put in your hard drive, you you um, you know, can design the thing from the get-go. And so that means that you can upgrade it along the way. Um, since I bought my framework laptop a couple of years ago, they've came out from the 11th gen processors, you know, Intel to the 12th gen, and they also have AMD. So if I decide I want to change my, you know, the guts of my laptop to a, a newer generation, I don't have to buy another laptop. I don't have to spend the money to get a new laptop. I just buy their kit that will let me take the thing apart with help. Because I'm not that cool. Uh, I started to say I think we're branching out a good deal here, but yeah. <laughs> well, but but my my point being, um, the initial investment means you don't have to keep buying laptops every so often. You can just and and upgrade and if it. You, if you got a Mac, that might not that That's might not could point. happen that way. That's a fair point. Um, to Apple's credit. The MacBook Airs do have a longer battery life than the frameworks because they had to make room in the case for you to actually get the thing open and um, be able to 
<clears throat> go in and, and replace components. I mean, even if something happened to the speakers, you could replace the speakers. If, if you wanted a oh, wow. um, different finish for the screen, you wanted a matte, like a, a like now it's a very smooth finish. If you wanted like a, a more matte feeling thing, you could take the cover of the screen off. Uh, uh, the microphone of the webcam has switches, so you can actually physically disable them. Stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> but I have that because I don't want to have to keep buying a laptop every time some new thing comes out that's a significant difference. I don't have to start over. I can just upgrade yeah. the pieces as I want. Um, the the USB ports, the, the ports come out. So if I need a USB-C port for something, then I can put one in. Well, the slots, uh, there are four of them. But if I want to change that to a USB-A or an HDMI or whatever, just put it in there. Mm. Um, so you could really grow with a machine like that and really use it um, to interface with whatever you need. Um, and and I, I love it. And the Macs are what they are. You get them and they are... Yep. Um, <laughs> they're they're pretty much together. You don't go. You can hang tight till the next time, but you're not yep. going. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get in there. Subtracting nope. that. No. Nope. And so for what it's worth, there are sometimes some good refurb deals on Macs as well. But uh, yeah, you get what you get. Um, let me though talk about some software. We we keep stressing Reaper. Reaper is one of those things that can be as simple or as complicated as you want it to be. I've used Reaper since 2010, and I'm still learning about crazy stuff that it can do because there's a whole community of people that are writing extensions to go on to go along with Reaper. Um, some people bring up their music on one track and their microphone on another, and they hit record and they sing their karaoke track and they bounce that down to one file, and that's what they do. Uh, I have a, a concert that I attended that I was able to record live through a very complicated network of all kinds of crazy stuff that I barely understand. I um, had 37 microphones going into my laptop through um, all kinds of wild stuff. It's It was called uh, Dante. It basically turns your Ethernet port into an audio interface that's 64 channels in, 64 out. And they had this jazz combo mic'd up with 37 microphones. And um, I used Reaper to record and um, mix that concert. And the crazy thing is, I used mostly free plugins to do it. There are some incredible free uh, compressors and EQs and reverbs and on and on and on and on that you can get. And like I said, things like Bedroom Producers Blog will kind of send you down various rabbit holes and they have reviews of some free plugins that are quite good and some that are not quite so good. And that gets back to knowing your screen reader and knowing how to use it because some of these plugins are very accessible and some of them not so much and you got to use um, an extension in Reaper that makes them accessible to, to use that. I'm not going to go into the how-to and the, the very specifics of um, how Reaper is set up and all that stuff because I'm just making sure that I'm giving you the right address. You can go to reaperaccessibility.com 
and it's all laid out there. How it works, all that stuff, it's laid out there. Um, If you want classes and um, help with figuring out what computer and what equipment you might need, a friend of mine named Byron Harden is running a, a website. He's, he's been doing this several years now. He uh, has an organization called IC Music, their website being at icmusic.org. By the way, none of the stuff I'm giving you are endorsed by ACB or Friends in Art or anything like that. They're just um, things that I found helpful, and some of them I'm a part of. Um, I see music is helping facilitate part of the uh, live showcase, in fact, at convention. So you'll hear more about them and from them probably um, there. But um, Byron's worked with various uh, voc rehab and services, you know, blind services in different states to, you know, uh, help people uh, and help counselors sort of see the benefit in um, funding, you know, blind and visually impaired with uh, getting the equipment and taking classes and so on and so on. So hopefully that's, uh, we've we've given you a kickstart into things. We've given you some stuff to think about. We uh, haven't quite gotten... (laughs) We actually overprepared, <laughs> had a bunch of demos queued up, but we didn't quite get there um, because it is 7.35 and uh, now 6. So we're going to, I'm going to shut up unless otherwise prompted to say anything else. <laughs> well, I, I I think we have a little time to, to maybe uh, talk about, you know, you were talking about recording instruments from your keyboards uh, right into the computer and you uh, connect your keyboard to your audio interface of choice and you have your piano sound or your strings or your harp or whatever sound you're wanting to use and that's great. But that doesn't necessarily involve MIDI. So if you want to edit the notes, well, that becomes pretty tricky, right? So, we were talking about GarageBand and all the instruments that come with it. And when I recorded things, music music parts, I would use my keyboard, which was connected. And it was actually connected via USB, because yes, you can have MIDI over USB. Connected right to the computer. It was recognized by GarageBand. And I could play the notes and if I didn't like something, I it was a little tricky at the time. It may have improved a lot. Um, but I could edit the notes or simply cut out that section and replay that part. I didn't have to go through the whole piece again. And sometimes that's possible, even if you're not using MIDI. But if there's a lot of blending of things going on, that that can become pretty tricky. In the course of wanting more sounds, I think <laughs> there are a lot of times I think that uh, we we hear sounds and we're like, oh, yeah, okay, these are great now, and I played them for a while, but I, I want more, I want more, I want more. 
And so I ended up paying for something called complete control, and that's with a K for each word, complete with a K, control with a K. And there are a number of entry-level ways to get into complete control. I didn't necessarily choose that because I had the ability to get a lot more. <laughs> so uh, I don't know exactly what the entry-level points are, but Derek and I were talking earlier, and I was suggesting you don't need the big complete control keyboard with all of its 88 weighted keys and all of this kind of thing. I ended up going for the 61 key version, and there's even a 49 key and a 25 key version. And the reason why I did this is because I already have an 88 key keyboard. Yes, it has its own sounds, but they're the ones I got tired of. <laughs> it's an older keyboard. What can I say? It's an 88 key Yamaha uh, P250. And I use it as a controller now. So I have it connected to my small uh, complete control controller. And the 88 key, when I play, sends the MIDI to the smaller complete control keyboard, which then sends it to the computer. And the computer can respond with either the garage band sounds or the complete control sounds. There's a whole immeasurable variety of sounds that they provide, but a lot of other vendors provide as well through complete control and outside of complete control. It gets very muddy at this point, but I want to keep it simple by saying that uh, if if you are looking for free sounds out there, uh, certainly GarageBand has them. Uh, if you do end up going the complete control route, there are lots of free sounds for uh, that will are that are compatible with complete control, and uh, they they're not bad. Um, I thought I would give a brief uh, demonstration. You know, there are there are pianos out there, and I want something that sounds very much real, and there is a free piano called Hammersmith, and I want to say it's Excellent Audio that puts it out, but I cannot remember, but it's called Hammersmith Free, and it sounds very nice. So it responds very much like a real piano. And that having been said, yes, it is very easy to continue wanting more. And I have a ton of pianos because, oh, some of them have interesting characteristics. Some of them have a lot of sympathetic resonance uh, that just sounds so natural and flowing. And some of them are not free, but there are always sales and just different things to take advantage of once you start getting into all this. It's kind of like anything else in life. Once you start digging, the <laughs> it gets deeper and deeper and deeper. <laughs> so that, All that, that used in Windows and Mac, by the way. Yes, both Windows and Mac. So uh, I just wanted to throw that in there because I know, after all, you know, a lot of uh, production is music, 
and um, I, I wanted to make it clear that there's plenty out there. It's not just your keyboard and its sounds, but your computer can respond and produce all sorts of interesting noise as well. So thank you both of you for making such a uh, sort of uh, overview of the complexities of, of this uh, recording stuff and uh, listening to uh, uh, Derek talk about um, Reaper, it occurred to me that maybe next year we could do a session called Reaper Madness. Um, <laughs> uh, might be an interesting topic because Reaper is a, is a, you know, is, is a, is a hot item these days. Anyway, I, I want to thank uh, um, those of you who are here for, for coming and, and engaging questions. I hope you'll come to other sessions that are coming up Um Tomorrow we're doing a session on how do you compose and perform without actually meeting anybody in person. And we're going to talk about that tomorrow a little bit. And then we got the showcase on Saturday night. And we also have a presentation on writing uh, 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 stuff for children. Uh, we have a children's author coming in. So join us for, for those sessions. And um, we thank you for, for, uh, for, for joining us and have a great evening. <laughs>